0: All right. Well, this morning we are we have been in a series in the month of February. We usually do a series on relationships. And if I need to change mics, please tell me. Yes. Okay. Okay, here we go. At the month of February, we Traditionally, do a series on relationships, different aspects of relationships. Uh, this morning, we are going to talk about relating with kids and teens, okay? Next week, unless the Lord leads us otherwise, we're going to talk about uh, relationships, like the dating relationship, marriage, that sort of thing. But today, we're going to talk about relating with kids and teens. Some of this will apply very specifically to parents, but some of it applies to all of us. This is called the three don'ts relating with kids and teens. Now, Jesus, you know, if if you're familiar with Jesus in the Gospels and the things he taught, he was often very gentle and very kind and loving. But when it came to kids, he didn't have a lot to say, but he was kind of heavy-handed for the adults in kids' lives. And he, he said, don't do this, don't do this, and don't do this. And that's pretty much what he had to say. He, he uh, addresses those of us who relate to kids In a kind of a serious manner. So we're going to talk this morning about the three don'ts and see what Jesus had to say. Okay, so I have a couple of jokes for you. A two-year-old, has anybody ever had a two-year-old? Anybody have a two-year-old? A two-year-old is kind of like having a blender, but you don't have the top for it. Did you hear about the kid who asked his mom if he was adopted? She said, not yet, but we placed an ad. Okay, moms, here's a fun game to play. (laughs) Let's see if you get this one. Uh, Fun game for moms to play. When your kid gets home from school, be lying on the floor, screaming in pain, and say, you stepped on a crack. Does anybody not know what that means? Does anybody need help with that one? Lisa, do you know that one? You're from Australia. Okay, no. In Australia, they don't say, um, if you you don't step on a crack, you'll break your mama's back. So, okay, so. All right, yes. Okay, so our first don't. So in relating to kids and teens, Jesus gives us three don'ts. So it seems like we should be less concerned with doing more. We tend to be people who are like, let's do more. Let's sign them up for more. Let's do more. Let's get more, 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 right? Instead of being involved with more, we should be more concerned with getting out of their way. And I'm going to show you that this morning. And when Jesus was teaching this, he wasn't speaking just to parents. He was speaking to all the adults in their lives. And I would go so far to say that this even applies to older siblings, okay? So parents, grandparents, teachers, siblings. This applies to us all. If you don't have any kids in your life, I encourage you to volunteer somewhere where you can get some kids in your life because they're the best. All right, and also that this will help you. We're gonna, if if you'll lean in and let the Holy Spirit give you some revelation in this area, you're gonna find that we're gonna be talking about some areas of authority And you're better—the more you understand authority, the better you're going to understand how God's kingdom works in all sorts of ways. If you've read the story in the Gospels where the centurion uh, came before Jesus and, and was looking for healing for his servant, he said, I'm a man of authority. I have somebody over me. I have someone under me. I get it. I see you have authority over sickness and disease. So this man had a, a revelation and Jesus said, you've got great faith and you're getting what you came and asked for. So I want you to understand, understanding authority is going to help you in other areas of applying, you know, in the great commission. When Jesus said that uh, uh, we have power over all the power of the enemy. We have authority over all the power of the enemy. Um, so these these things We're going to see it in a real natural application, but you can apply them in spiritual ways. Okay, so our first one is don't. Our first don't. Number one, don't cause them to stumble. Don't cause them to stumble. Matthew 18:6. It's as if Jesus is talking. He said, "If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Do you see Jesus flexing here? If anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, those who believe in me. So Jesus seems to be saying, if we don't get in the way, they'll believe in me. They already do. They already do. To cause someone to stumble is to put a stumbling block in their way. So a stumbling block is something that trips up a walker or causes him to fall. For new babies, you know how we don't have babies at our house anymore. But when we had babies, man, you kept the path clear, right? You became minimalist, whether you were a minimalist or not. You keep that path clear so that baby doesn't stumble and fall. So what is Jesus talking about to us? Children are born, I'm needing a whole IT team here. Children are born law-abiding. Children are born law-abiding. I want you to think about this. Children are born recognizing and respecting right and wrong. They come that way with that implanted in them from God. So for us to put a stumbling block for them, we mess up. We cause injury to their conscience. Cause injury to their sense of right and wrong we start confusing them on what's right and what's wrong. All right, so we don't want to be the reason they fall. So... This area of stumbling, number one, uh, this area, this don't, don't cause them to stumble. This area uh, is where we, we're going to be thinking about things that we neglect to do as the adults in their lives, okay? The, well, things that we neglect to do. And besides, by the way, we're going to talk about children today, but then we're going to move into teenagers. We're going to move up through the ages, okay, real quickly this morning. All right, so one way that we can neglect is that we can fail to teach them God's ways, Ephesians 6, thank you, thank you. Ephesians 6, 1 says, "'Children, obey your parents in the Lord.'" This is one of the only verses that's specifically called out for children. "'Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right.'" This is one of the first verses that I taught my children when they were preschoolers. "'Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right.'" Okay? We have the motive for obedience right here. Because mama said so? Because it's right. The other day, there was something that I was thinking, should I do this? Should I not do it? I kind of don't want to do it. And the Holy Spirit just on the inside said, it's the right thing to do. And as soon as he dropped that into my heart, it was easy. Decision made. It's the right thing to do. It was suddenly easy to do what I had been struggling with. Well, that's the way it is for children. When they understand why do you do it? Because God said it was the right thing to do. Kids kids hook up with that. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the land. I remember when I was praying. I'm not sure if I just had one or if I had two kids yet and I was meditating on this verse and thinking about this verse and thinking about what it meant and thinking that, well, you know, this is kind of to kids and not really so much to parents, but then I've realized that I'm responsible for training my children in the way of the Lord and in so doing, they get to live out the promises of God that it may go well with them and they may live long on the land. So those of you that have been raised to honor your parents, you've got a promise to bank on. If you raise your children to serve the Lord, you have a promise. You don't have to worry and have anxiety like everything's just up for grabs. I have a promise. When I get worried about my kids, I go, wait a minute, I have a promise. It's gonna go well with them. They're going to lo- Their life's not gonna get cut short. They're gonna live long in the land. Honor your father and mother. It's a commandment with a promise. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Don't provoke them to anger, but bring them up. Discipline just means instruction, teaching. Show them God's ways. Show them God's ways. All right, so this is the the positive of of, uh, bringing our children up in the Lord. Here's Proverbs 13, 24 gives us the negative. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. So those who spare the rod of discipline, what that means is (laughs) your kids are going to get on your nerves. You're not going to like your kids. And other people probably aren't going to like them either. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. You know, as a parent, these things anchor us. And help us. Help us. Am I being too tough? Am I being, you know, if I'm am I being too easy? These things anchor us. The word of God anchors us and directs us that I want to raise my children in the nurture of the Lord and the teaching of the Lord and his instruction. All right. So if we neglect to train our children, they'll be focused on things like their focus will be what I like and what I don't like and what I want and what I don't want. We neglect to teach them right and wrong. And by the way, we teach them right and wrong by precept and example. So little eyes are always watching. You can't say one thing and live a different way and think they don't notice. They notice. They notice, are you honest? They notice, are you faithful? They, they notice all the things that you say are important if you, if you live it or not. We don't want our authority to become inconsistent and unpredictable. It's not based on mom or dad's mood. It's not today, no tomorrow. If you do that, life becomes a battle of the wills. Parents' words get disregarded. And guess what? If you get it to battle of the wills, I can tell you right now, kids are way better at winning that than parents are. Right? Yes, yes, they are. All right, so what we want to do is nurture a habit of obedience. You know, habits are things that we uh, prepare kids with and prepare ourselves with just to make life easier. God has made us that when something becomes a habit, it's not so hard anymore. If you don't exercise and you start exercising, man, it takes a lot of effort to get started. But then it becomes a habit and it just becomes routine and it's not so hard anymore. Well, obedience can be a habit and you can train your children in the habit of obedience children off. Proverbs 22, 6. Start children off. Is it going to cooperate? Right now it's not. All right, I'm going to tell it to you. Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. That's a promise. Start children off on the way they should go. Sometimes as mamas and our kids get older and we get concerned, we can hold on to that promise. Lord, I thank you to the best of my knowledge. I started them off on the way that they should go. And I thank you that they are not going to turn from it, even when they're old, not when they're 20s, not when they're 30s, not when they're 40s. The, The English Standard Version says train them. The New Living Translation says direct them. Start them off in the way they should go. I love the message Bible there. It says, point your kids in the right direction, and when they're old, they won't be lost. Obedience sets us up for success. As adults, we have to obey, don't we? Do you think about times you have to obey? We have to obey our conscience. We have to obey the law. We have to obey God. The three temptations of Christ. Jesus was tempted in the desert by the devil. All three of those temptations were things that were in direct disobedience to something God had already said. Pastor Brad talked about the Garden of Eden recently. And he said that uh, in the garden, they had one tree. They had one distraction. Don't eat of that tree. All they had to do was obey, right? Obey. So our our motive to obey is always because it's right and we teach our children for I love this this idea of intelligent obedience intelligent obedience it's in the lord so that they can become law abiding self-governing it is not a bullied obedience it's a choice it's a choice you know, the, usually people who are the very strictest on their children, when their children get out from under that, go completely wild. Because they haven't had any opportunity to develop their own decision-making and, and making their own choices. So we're not supposed to be blindly obedient to whoever comes along and, and is able to, to strong-arm us. We're supposed to have intelligent obedience. Amen? Amen? Amen, thank you. So obedience, the very, the very word obedience suggests it's willing. It's kind of like with husbands and wives, people get all hung up with you know, the wife being submitted to the husband. Well, it's willing. It's a choice that the wife makes. So it's a choice that children make to obey. Let me give you some practical points on the habit of obedience. It is a gradual training. It's gradual. It doesn't happen all at once. But what parents can do is expect obedience. The principle of obedience is within, just waiting to be called up. You don't have to threaten. You don't have to be harsh. You don't have to raise your voice. Parents are invested with authority. They recognize, I was so surprised, even my little babies, how quickly they respond to a voice of authority. And if they get accustomed to, we only have to do it when mama's voice gets up this high, then that's, they'll, they'll take it till you go there. But if they know you expect it when you say it, and you say it because you love them, kids are cool like that. All right. However, however, children can detect. They are master detectors if you don't mean what you say. Man, they can, they can discover that like nobody's business. I don't believe she really meant that. So we're going to test this out. So our job as parents is to be very careful. Our job as teachers, our job as grandparents, anytime we're in a position of authority, it's really important that we don't say anything that we don't expect to follow through on. That means we need to be really cautious on what we say because we're going to follow through with it. So let's not be making demands that we've, well, that really didn't matter after all. So it is much easier to develop a habit of obedience than constantly fight for sometimes obedience. All right. Also, as parents, it's not our job to burden them down with lots of commands. Psalm 127.3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. We will answer to God for the atmosphere, for the discipline, and for the life that we give to the children under our care. It's a serious responsibility. Children should perceive that the adults in their life are following a higher law than their own preference. See, mama is following right and wrong. Mom and dad are making decisions. We got to do what's right. We don't have to give kids reasons for everything, but everything about our manner should be convincing. It's not movable. All right, some other examples of stumbling blocks. We're in our number one, uh, don't, don't cause them to stumble. Some other examples are, you know, just uh, nourishing food, sufficient sleep, letting them play and have free time. Something else that is very important, it's very important to me that parents know is our job to protect their innocence, It's our job to make sure that there's protection around them, that that there is an adult, a caring adult in their life that cares what they see and what they hear, what they're exposed to. We're responsible for that. All right, our don't number two. Our don't number two is don't look down on them. Matthew 18, 10. Can y'all get the verses up here? Yes? Yes? Matthew 18, 10. Beware, Jesus said, that you don't look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels are always present before my heavenly father. Once again, Jesus is flexing. He's like, listen, if you don't take this serious, their angels are before the heavenly father, before the throne. So make sure that you don't look down on any of them. So what's Jesus telling us? How does that apply in our real life? To look down on means to think less of them, to underestimate their value, their potential, their input. Well, they're not adults yet. They don't count yet. The impressions on them doesn't matter yet. I don't have to worry about what I do yet. That's to look down on them. That's to underestimate the impact of their influences underestimate their own ability to hear God. So, one of our jobs is to protect them, to be careful of who's making an impression on them, who cares about them. We, we should be concerned about what's going on at school, what's going on at daycare, who are they hanging out with in the neighborhood. We need to take their faults seriously. If they're making a habit of lying, we don't need to be like, oh, they'll outgrow that. No, that's something we need to deal with right now or we're injuring, injuring their sense of right and wrong. So don't underestimate. Now, as, and how they treat their siblings is important. I always told my kids, look, one day you're going to marry somebody. And it's not always going to be easy to get along. So you're getting practice right now. You know, you're going to want to get along with the person you marry. You're getting practice of how to get along with with your siblings. So don't assume that they're just going to outgrow it and dismiss it. But our parenting should grow and change through the years. Ages 1 through 11 are the years when a parent should be the decision maker. Okay? Children do not yet know the rules of life, and their brain is still being formed. So up until 11 years of age, parents should be making the decisions. Okay? But once we get 12 and up, these are the transition years. There's a gradual what we call deparenting. Deparenting when the kids become the decision makers. They're old enough to consider values and consequences. They're old enough to know who they are and who God is, and we have to change our approach to parenting as we reach adolescence. We have to start backing off and they get to be more in the driver's seat. But our goal as parents is that our kids can trust us at every stage throughout all of life. We want to be a trustworthy source for our kids. So in the early stages, one of the things that was important to me is I wanted to protect my children's uh, innocence. So, you know, I didn't tell them everything, everything. Um, But when they had questions, I wanted to know that they knew that they could count on me to get a straight answer. They didn't have to go somewhere else. So we want them to to know that they can count on us and trust us. But as they start getting older, uh, our our approaches start to change. Okay, I have a conversation between a mother and her three-year-old. She said, yes, you were in my belly. And the three-year-old said, why, with tears in her eyes, why did you eat me? And on that note, I have a book recommendation. It's called The Wonderful Way Babies Are Made. And I recommend that you cover this by the age of 10. After that, it'll be really awkward and weird. So yeah, but it's a great book. Um, it actually has a kind of like if you're having a baby and you have a preschooler, it has a a whole preschool flow to it. And then if you're if if they're more like 10, it's got a whole nother uh Part to it that's more mature uh, but yeah they're pretty good up until then and then they don't want to hear nothing about it so uh, something to have on your radar so we're going to gradually transfer the control of decision making adult kids do we have any adult kids in the house <laughs> adult kids should not feel controlled at all especially if you want a relationship with them Something that we have to be really careful with adult children is avoiding manipulation. A mi- manipulation. So some examples of manipulation are use of lying, guilt, comparison to get what you want. Uh, and, and they say that that's actually worse than directly trying to control them because then they feel like they can't trust us. They feel like they can't trust us, that we're just in it for, to get what we want. Um, I'm not going to give you any examples on that because I'm going to let y'all use your imagination. Uh, but we want, we want our adult kids to know that we're here for them. And we're here for their benefit and not just for our own. So don't look down on our children at any age. All right, teenagers. Let's talk about teenagers for a minute. Teenagers are bombarded with the message, do more, be more. Be prettier. Be skinnier. Make better grades. Make better test scores. You need to get into a better college. And they're being bombarded in our society with these messages. So as parents, we have to guard our hearts and we have to make sure that we don't cross over into that line of envy of wanting something uh, from the outside, for our children, um, we want to be led by the Holy Spirit on the inside. So Proverbs 1430 says, "A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, but jealousy is like cancer in the bones. so we don 't want to look at what so and so 's doing or what they got and think, "Oh, you know, my kids should be doing that." James 3:16 3, 3, says, "For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind." So I want to encourage you adults in young people's lives. Home, church, grandparents' house should be places where they recover from these pressures. They should be places of recovery. Studies show us that kids are braver to reach for bigger goals when they know it doesn't matter if they achieve or fail. A kid that knows that I'm just going to go for it, it doesn't matter if I make it or not, those kids are a lot braver. Other kids where there's a lot of pressure to get it right aren't going to be risk takers. So we want them to know, hey, we got a model failing for them. Show them what it looks like. It's okay. You don't, have to, you don't have to win at everything you do. You don't have to be the best at everything you do. So we want to minimize criticism and maximize affection. I realize this is, very, this is kind of unusual today what we're doing. This is very practical. But I believe it's really important. I believe it's after the heart of God that we know how to love the young people in our lives very well. And to think about things from their perspectives. Young people have an unprecedented increase of anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts. In 2018, and this was before COVID, one in five adolescent girls experienced a major depressive episode. That was up over one decade, 84%. Astronomical and everything's just gone up since COVID. Suicide rates among Americans ages 10 to 24 increased 56% between 2007 and 2017. Over that same decade, ages 10 to 24, suicide rates increased 56%. And among the very youngest, the 10 to 14-year-olds, the suicide rate tripled over that decade. We're not talking about hundreds of years. We're talking about 10 years time. To give you a little bit of perspective, 2007 is when that started skyrocketing. 2007 is when the iPhone came out and everybody carried social media in their back pocket. 2020, researchers came to a consensus that the hours young people spend on social media strongly affects their mental health, especially among girls. Now, I don't want you parents to freak out and go home and overreact, Uh, interact, and respond relationally. Uh, One of the things that we found, I feel like... our Our kids' generation are going to be a lot wiser for what to do with these phones and social media because they've lived with it. It was all very new for us. Every new thing that came out, it's new. And everybody's getting it, and it's new. We were very slow uh, with our kids. We didn't let our kids get on social media until 16. So we've got one that's not on yet. And even at that, I really talked, especially with my girls, Uh, I talked with Lily, she's the only one girl on yet. but I really talked with her about what I didn't want it to be in her life and, and how I wanted it to be just a small thing that, you know, she did not look at more than once a day. And, and to understand that, you know, uh, the dangers that are associated with it and how you see your self-worth. But I think that we have to be really careful. And so just really keep that conversation open with our kids, especially our older kids need to know why. Why we're, It's hard. Uh, and what parents don't understand is sometimes it's really innocent. Like your kid, your, your fifth graders at school, and you're like, I want them to have a phone so they can call me if they need to. And it's really innocent. And they're like, they're not going to do anything crazy on their phone in the fifth grade. Well, yeah, but then what, when crazy stuff starts happening, are you going to take it away? So that's what you have to do. You you done started something that you didn't see where this thing is going. So later is better. Later is better. Owning a phone, let me just give you a little of confidence, parents. It's a privilege. It's like driving a car. It's a privilege. It's not a right. So to let you know by law, kids should not be on social media until the age of 13. That's the law. So that's something easy to fall back on. Um, We say delay at least until high school. One of the ways we dealt with it because we no longer had a home phone. We realized, okay, you know, we got to have a phone at home when we're not at home. The kids were old enough to be home by themselves. So what we had is we had a shared family phone. Our kids shared a phone and they didn't have their own phone until they were driving. So, and that's kind of been the rule is like once you're in a car by yourself, you get to have a phone, but then it has rules, it has protection. If you're going to let your kids have technology, you're going to have to learn to be technological and learn how to put all the safety features and all that sort of thing. So, strongly encourage you to keep devices out of the bedrooms. 79% of teens take their devices to bed with them each night. 68% of those keep it within reach and 29% sleep with their phone. And they'll tell you, mom, I need it for an alarm clock. Go buy them an alarm clock and keep the phone somewhere family area. So our don't number one was don't be a stumbling block don't be a stumbling block don't don't neglect to remove the things that are that are in their way that would get in their way for them uh in their, in their walk with God. Number two was don't look down on them. Be careful. Beware, Jesus said, that you don't look down on them. Don't underestimate them. Don't underestimate their value. They're already a person. They already have a call. They're already anointed by God with a purpose, and they're very special in his sight. Every single one of you are. No one's here. You're not here by accident. You're not here, uh, random, you were you are picked by God, and he has a purpose and a call on your life. And every child in our life is the same way. So we have to see that as a thing to honor and respect and to take very seriously. And maybe you're like, oh, my gosh, I've never heard anything like this before in my life, and I feel terrible. Well, you know what we're supposed to do with that? That's when we just say, Lord, forgive me. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I want to serve you from here forward. And I want to be a better parent from here forward. But we still have number three, our last one. Our third don't. Our third don't is don't stop them from coming to me. I just love, I love Jesus. Listen, I love Jesus and I love kids and I love how he stands up for them. Don't stop them from coming to me. Mark 10, 14. I'm in the new living. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. In other words, the most natural thing that's going to happen is they're going to come to me if we don't get in their way. If we don't get in their way. So this applies to older siblings. It applies to all the adults in a kid's life. Let them couple of quick thoughts on let them come to me. Don't present God as a punisher. Don't say, oh, you know, you're gonna go to hell if you do that. Don't present God as a punisher. Don't call them bad. Don't tell them God wouldn't love them if they did such and such. We're messing up grown people's idea of God by the things we teach them when they're a child. God will always love you. He will not always love your behavior but he will always love you. Tell them all day long, God loves you. God cherishes you. See this beautiful flower God made for us? Because he loves us. Look at those stars in the sky shining down on us. God must love us an awful lot. And he does. Teach them Teach them only what you know. You're like, well, Pastor Jennifer, I don't know very much. Well, if you know enough to come to God, you know enough to get started. Don't try to teach them something you don't know. Teach them what you do know. And then when it's time, you learn a little bit and you'll know a little bit more to teach them next time. Here's some simple things you can teach them you can present the Father God. Do you know who He is? He's the giver. He gives all good things for us. So you can introduce them to the Father God and plant that seed. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be a preacher. You're just going to plant seeds in their life. And then you pray for the Holy Spirit to water those seeds, produce a fruit in their life. That's why we're all here. If you're a born-again child of God, it's because somebody planted a seed in your life. And maybe immediately and maybe... Uh, the next year, maybe the next 10 years, that, that seed produced a full harvest in your life. All right, so present to them the Father God as the giver. Present them Jesus. Jesus is our Savior, Jesus is our King to whom we're loyal. We're loyal to Him. Kids love that. They love, boy, they can, oh yeah, they can hook up with that present the holy spirit he's the one that lives inside when we make jesus our lord and our savior the holy spirit comes to live inside of us and the word of god calls him our helper and our comforter you don't have to present him as the comforter until they need a comforter and you can say you know what i heard the holy spirit's the comforter he'll help us he'll help us he'll comfort us through this when our children are making decisions We plant that seed. The Holy Spirit's our guide. He sees. He knows what God's plans are for your life. And the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. He's our teacher, the Bible tells us. Our helper. Our standby. He's the one when Jesus said, you'll never be alone. You'll never be alone. He'll be with you. That's the Holy Spirit. And I'll be honest with you, for the most part, the less you say, the better. That's how we get Stay in our, in our don'ts. But they need to see you. They need to hear you talk about the Bible. Man, we have so much fun now. I've raised my children to serve the Lord. And now we're reading the Old Testament together. And it's interesting, isn't it? Our conversations, they're good. They're interesting. We talk about it together. We take interest in it together. Wonder, you know, when we bring up something, wonder what that meant. We don't use it to preach at them. Well, did you notice how so they will resent that? Don't, Don't preach at them. Discover God together with them. Allow them to hear you pray. You may be like, I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know what to say. You get in a mess and you say, Lord, you pray what you do know. We need your help. We need your help, Lord. And they know, they know where to turn now. I don't have to say a lot. Now suddenly they know where mom, where dad, where grandma, grandpa, whoever. Man, I used to have teachers in public school that prayed in front of us. I learned from that. So talk about the Bible. Talk about church. Talk about the things of God. Talk about why we're faithful. Talk about why we do the right thing. Talk about why we dress in a way that is respect to ourselves. Talk about these things. Allow them to hear you pray. Allow them to hear you value it. You don't have to be all preachy. Don't be preachy. Don't do that. But they should know living in your home that the things of God are more important to you than anything else in the world. You'll raise children that will serve him if you do that. You can't make up. They're going to make their own decision. They're going to, as soon as they leave your presence, they're going to have to make their own decisions. They're going to have to decide, am I going to lie or am I going to tell the truth? Am I going to be a Christian or not be a Christian? Am I going to go with the flow or am I going to stand out? has helped you this morning like I said it's really different but I believe it's really really reflects Jesus' heart I have a, another book recommendation for you there's a great book that can just help you with technology it's called The Tech Wise Family because listen we need all the help we can get Some of us are more ignorant than others. That would be me. Did you see me needing teams of people up here helping me this morning? Uh, The TechWise family will help help you, uh, give you some insight. Man, kids know how to work it, use it. But number one rule, it doesn't need to be in their bedroom at night. Let's stand on our feet. We're going to. Go to the Father in prayer. You can bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to thank you for being here this morning. We love you being here. We love you. Those of you who have children here, we love your children. Love them so much. I want to see you all just serve God and just grow and every year get better. Your marriages get better and your families get better and your relationships as a parent get better. Your relationships with your grown children get better with your brothers and sisters. Father God, we thank you that your love for us is so real, and so practical. Lord, it helps us in our real life. And we're so grateful to you. We're so grateful that your help, your word says that you're a very present help in times of trouble. And you might feel like this morning, my life's a wreck. My life's a mess. And I need some of that kind of help. Very present help. The best kind of help. The best kind of understanding. The best kind of advice. I'm telling you where you gotta turn. You gotta turn to Jesus. And the more fully you turn, and the more you leave all the rest of it behind you, and you say, I don't care what it costs me, I'm going with you. I don't care what it costs me. It means I'm gonna have to give up some stuff that I know isn't serving me well anyway. This ain't working anyhow. I just encourage you to receive Jesus this morning. If you've never received him as your Lord and Savior, receive him as your Savior and then never look back. Never look back. Just where you are in your seat, let's just pray together. Pray quietly if that's you. Say, dear Jesus, I receive you. I call you, my Lord. I call on you. I need you. I can't do this without you. I can't do this on my own. And I don't want to try any longer. I see that my life could be different. I see that it could be different. That I can have something different. I can have something beautiful. You you can make something beautiful of this mess I've made. Now, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Lord, those of us who have wronged young people. Lord, if we've caused them to stumble Lord, if we put a stumbling block in their way, if we block them from coming to you, Father God, forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. We want to pick up your ways. We want to know your ways. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for those who called on Jesus as their Lord and Savior today. Thank you for those, Father God, who were baptized in holy, cold water. (laughs) 呵呵 <laughs> And Father God, I thank you for every person here. Lord, we just pray for safety and protection over them. Lord, I thank you that you're unveiling your plan and your purpose in greater ways, and greater measure. And Father God, we're rising up to be your body, to do what you've called us to do and be what you've called us to be. Father God, we're going forth with, with the Holy Spirit, not alone. We're going forth with the Holy Spirit with us. And thank you, Father God, that we have those words to say to invest those seeds into those lives. Father God of those those Christians that they might be older than us in numbers but they're younger than us in the faith. Lord we'll plant, we'll plant seeds into their life of, of your goodness and your and your love for us Father God. And those children in our lives Father God. We'll sow seeds Father God that, that are going to grow to great harvest. Great fruit for you. Lord we thank you. You've called us. You said you're disciples will bear fruit. That's how you'll know. You'll bear fruit, and it's fruit that remain. Father God, we want to stand before you and say, Father, I was your disciple. I was your disciple. And Here's my fruit. Here's my fruit, Lord. Father, we praise you and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing, and we'll be dismissed. I throw up my hands and praise you again and again.